0: Yeah, right on. Okay, you got your Bibles? Let's go to Joshua chapter 23. And let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that we could uh, spend this time together, Lord, here, the body of Christ, knowing that you're here with us. And Jesus, we just welcome you into our midst, Lord. We declare that we need you. We want to uh, run into your presence this morning, Lord, for our refuge. Uh, You're the anchor of our lives, Lord, and we're thankful, God, for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, that you'd draw us closer to yourself, Jesus, and that we would just uh, see who you are and how you're at work in our lives, and we just give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen sweet so Joshua chapter 23 we're going to wrap up this book next next week with uh, chapter 24 and um, the book of Joshua concludes with Joshua doing two two speeches essentially and so this is the first speech uh, that he does the first speech uh, in this chapter is to like the leaders of Israel he's going to call them all together he's an old man now and and then next week we'll see in In Joshua chapter 24, he'll he'll give his final talk, uh, teaching to the nation. And so let's just check it out. Go to verse 1. We'll dive right into it. It says this. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and he said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years." So this chapter kind of starts with telling us that there's been a large time gap between where we were just last week in Joshua 22 and Joshua chapter 23. Estimates are that by this time the children of Israel, Joshua and all of Israel had been in the land of promise, in the land of Canaan for excess of 20 years, probably like closer to 25 years. And Joshua himself we see in scripture lived till he was 110 years old. So he's like He's right up there at this point in time. And you think about this guy, old and advanced in years, calling the children of these leaders of Israel together. When we read about him and are first introduced to him in Scripture, we know this, that he came right with the group of people that experienced the exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea and being led by Moses and delivered by the Lord from slavery in the land of Egypt. He was old enough at that point in time to serve in the army. He had served as some sort of commander general uh, for Moses leading the army. He was Moses's right-hand man. He was amongst the 12 spies that were initially sent into the land of promise to scout things out. He was a part of that generation that was held back from entering into the promised land and he experienced 40 years of wandering in the wilderness He then led the nation, succeeded Moses in leadership, led the nation across the Jordan to inherit the land of promise, defeating all of the enemies of God's people. And it's really amazing to just go and stop and think about all that this guy personally experienced in terms of the history of God's people and what he saw God do on behalf of Israel. And so he was young, he served the Lord, and now he's old. He's an old man and he's still serving God. The Lord, And now as an old man, he calls together all of the judges, all of the leaders, all of the tribal heads, the clan heads, the the family leaders, the officers. And he instructs them, as we're going to read here, as he prepares to go the way of all men, the way of the earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And you think about Joshua, there is a testimony that belongs to those who are older in the Lord that only belongs to them. Joshua was young, and he served the Lord, and now he's old, and he's serving the Lord, and he has a testimony in his life, a testimony of faithfulness. Now, I was thinking, you know, I don't want to point out the old, older folks in our presence in the room, though. but, you know, I was, I was, during worship, Marguerite Barb, I was guessing on who served the Lord longer between the two of you, because that's my guess, that it's you two. Can I ask you, Marguerite, how long have you served the Lord? So many years, you're not even sure. That's pretty good. I know Barb got saved as a kid, right, Barb? Okay, I won't put you on the spot and ask you how many years. You can ask her later. I won't do that from the front. But look, at there is a testimony of God's faithfulness, a rich account in the lives of those who have walked with Jesus for a long time that they can say this about the Lord. And I know these about my two sisters even right here. They can say the Lord is steadfast. The Lord is faithful. God has never failed me. God has never turned his back on me. God has never left me. The Lord is faithful. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's constant. He's faithful. The psalmist said this about the Lord, that that his faithfulness is a shield. That his faithfulness is a buckler. That's like a buckler is those shields that a soldier would wear right on his forearm. His faithfulness is like a buckler. Isaiah said this about Jesus, prophesying about Jesus. He said, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And it's pretty sweet to sit with someone, I'm sure you've all had the opportunity to do this, who's walked with the Lord for a long time. They've served the Lord for their their lifetime and they can testify to his faithfulness. And this is Joshua here. An old man, an old veteran, who can testify to the the unfailing faithfulness of the Lord in his life and in his experience. Now let's read on here. It says this in verse three. He says this, and you have seen all that the Lord has the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as many uh, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. So as Joshua begins to address these leaders and speak to them, he reminds them of what God's done for them. He says, God's fought for you. He's fought for you. He enabled you to defeat all of your enemies. He's given you the land of those that that he defeated. On top of that, Joshua says this, and God is going to continue to fight for you. God is going to continue to give you land that he has promised. His faithfulness in the past is the guarantee of his faithfulness to you in the future. And it's interesting just to stop and think about that. The faithfulness of God to you in the past, look at that's the guarantee of his faithfulness to you in the future. You, You have a history with God, you have a past history with the Lord. And in the past, God has demonstrated this to you that He's faithful. He's faithful. And your history with God is meant to build your faith. His his faithfulness to you is that guarantee that he will be faithful in the future. And you you know, it's been well said that that a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And we need to know that God is is faithful to us. The, The scripture tells us that the just shall live by faith. Now Joshua and and all of these leaders had witnessed God do all of these things in their lives for, for many years. The fulfillment of the very things that he had promised. And God had acted towards his people Israel just as he had promised in his word. And grasping this, grasping that concept that God acted in accordance with his word is like totally important to understanding the nature of God. That his word is trustworthy, that his nature is trustworthy, his character is trustworthy, because his word is trustworthy. You know, I was thinking about that. Every generation faces uh, the wolves in sheep's clothing that speak the name of Jesus and yet deny the authority of Scripture. (laughs) They, They speak the name of Jesus and undermine and denigrate the word of God. And they failed to grasp this reality about God, that God does nothing contrary to his word. Nothing. His faithfulness to his, his promises in the past are, his faith, are, are evidence of his faithfulness to his word in the future. He can't act in opposition to his own word because it's to act in opposition to his own nature and character. And any departure from that tenant or that teaching is to fashion God in in an image that we want to make him in. His word tells us that he's exalted above all things, his name and his word. I I love that some translations actually say this, that he has exalted his word above his name. That's the priority God places on his word. So Joshua says, look at his faithfulness to you in the past is pointing to his faithfulness to you in the future. So he's gonna give these leaders some instruction and he starts at the most important foundational piece for those who would live for the Lord and it involves the word of God. Check it out in verse six. He says this, therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of their names the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. So Joshua had reminded them of God's faithfulness to them, and in response, he says, you have an obligation to the Lord. You need to reciprocate this relationship of faithfulness, and the faithfulness you're called to is this. You be faithful to his word. You do and you keep the law of Moses, he says. Be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law. Now, I think about that. There is always just a temptation to depart from the Word of God. There is always a temptation to do that. It's Satan's first playbook. It's the move that he always uses to tempt us not to trust the Word of God. And Joshua said the Word of God is to have Priority in your life to such a degree that you are not to depart from it, to the right hand, to the or to the left. You're not to deviate this way or that way. You're not to to turn aside or to get sidetracked in any direction. You stick to the commands of the Lord and His instructions weren't simply to do with knowledge, but to do with the keeping and the doing of the Word of God. Because as far as God is concerned, there's no separation thereof. If you, you can't claim to know the Word of God and not do it. If you know the Word, you do it. And you might know about the Word, but to claim to know it and to do, not to do it does not add up. Knowing the Word is, is knowledge that produces action. James drives this home in the New Testament. He says this, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so the reason Joshua said that this was so key is he said this to them. He says, this will keep you from mixing with the nations around you. Interesting. Which means this, keeping and doing the word of God would keep them from yielding to the influence of the Canaanites. Yielding to their influence. You know, there's a spot in my life where I just refuse to yield. You know where it is? It's when I drive up Gibson's Way And I come up to the intersection of North Road and Gibson's Way, and I see ferry traffic coming down North Road. (laughs) You ever been in that situation? Yes, you have. I know you have. And I'll tell you what drives me crazy. What drives me crazy is to come to that intersection and to know that I have the right of way, and those who are in the ferry line have to yield to me. But people in front of me are yielding, and they're letting ferry traffic in. Doesn't that drive you nuts? It makes me mental at that. I and I, I come to that, I, I just like, you know, I'm like trying to get a coffee, or I'm like going to a grocery store, or whatever I'm doing. I'm like, I'm not yielding to you. You're coming off the ferry, man. There's no such thing as courtesy at that intersection. I just want to tell you that. Next time you come there, just and you're going up Gibson's way, say to yourself, courtesy, schmirtsey, you yield to me. <laughs> Amen. That's right, Calvin. And And Joshua says this, holding on to God's word, keeping it, doing it, protects you from yielding to the world. It protects, it's your right of way. And it will protect you from yielding to the influences and the culture and the value system of the world. We know this, the world wants to influence us, wants to influence our lives, Our thinking, it wants to fashion us and conform us and to shape us into its image and its values. Not the image of God, it wants us to follow the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is sin. The pattern of this world is slavery and bondage to sin. The pattern of this world is death. And the Bible tells us that, that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John goes on to say this, that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then it says this in John chapter 3, verse 17, that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus came to save the world. And we don't want to yield to that. He saved us from the world. And so the the protection for us is to hold tightly to the Word of God, to be doers and keepers of the Word of God, the good counsel of the Word of God, rather than mixing with the bad counsel of this world. And the good counsel of God's Word will keep you, Joshua says. It will keep you from the bad counsel of those nations around you and its value system. And so I think of us as followers of Jesus, and I think we need to hear this over and over and over again in these days, man. We are not to live in fear in this world. Amen. Man. You know why we don't live in fear? Because we have experienced that God's character is faithful. He is a shield of faithfulness. He is a buckler of faithfulness. He will deliver you, the psalmist said, from the snare of the fowler. He will deliver you from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge, David said. Hmm. See, his faithfulness to you in the past is the guarantee of his faithfulness to you in the future, Therefore, Joshua says, remain faithful to the Word of God. Then he gives them a second instruction for our response to God's faithfulness. Let's read verse 8. It says this, But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Hmm. Joshua repeats a command here. It's the same command that he gave to those tribes as they were returning to their inheritance east of the Jordan. He says this to them Cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. We saw this last week. Cling to him. It means adhere yourself to the Lord. Glue yourself to him. Like crazy glue. Man, you ever mess with that crazy glue stuff? That is dangerous. You got to be careful, man. You'll stick your fingers together, whatever it is. But that's the exact picture that Joshua's painting here. Cling to the Lord. Adhere yourself to him. And the picture is, is this, not just of being glued to the Lord, but the picture is this, like a man who has departed from the house of his parents, and he is cleaving to the wife of his youth. You leave your parents' household. You you leave that behind, and now you, you fashion and you form an identity with the spouse God has blessed you with. And you adhere yourself to them. You love them. You attach your life to them. And and that's the picture for us. We we leave behind loyalty to this world, and guess where we cling, church? We cling to Jesus. We glue ourselves to Jesus. We adhere to Jesus. We cling to Him. And this world is always seeking to pry in there, get in there with its crowbar, and, and pry us away from Jesus, but we hold fast. We hold fast to the Lord. That's what Joshua says. And so he encouraged these leaders, hold fast, glue yourself, cleave to the Lord, cling to Him, and when you do, he says this, when you cling to the Lord, no one will stand against you. What an amazing promise. He says this, no nation, no people group, however strong, they will not be able to withstand you if you'll just hold on to the Lord. No man will stand before you because he says God will drive him back. And he, he uses this great picture from the Scriptures. He says, one of you will put to flight a 1000 Isn't amazing? Like, that's biblical math right there. That one of you will put to flight a thousand because the Lord has promised. He'll fight for you if you cling to Him. It's miraculous. It's, it's impossibly wonderful to think about that. One putting to flight a thousand. What a great promise. And so we cling to the Lord in an act of faithfulness to Him because of His faithfulness to us. Because He's been faithful to us in the past, because we know He'll be faithful to us in the future, we want to be faithful to Him. So we cling to Him. We cling to Him. That brings us to Joshua's third instruction. It's in verse 11. He says this, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. You know, I think this it's one thing for obedience to the Lord to be motivated out of a, I don't know, a sense of duty, and it's a whole other thing for obedience to be motivated by love. Mm -hmm. Loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, which Jesus said is the greatest of the commandments. And we know this, the world is fighting for my affections. It's fighting for your love. It's fighting for your loyalty. And so Joshua says to these leaders, all the more careful you need to take heed to yourself. You need to be very careful to love the Lord. Man. I read this quote, I liked it, it said this. Only the watched heart can give God the love He deserves. Only the watched heart can give God the love He deserves. We have to watch our hearts. We have to watch our hearts. You know, the Bible tells us that the heart of men are wicked and deceitful, that the the human heart, apart from the work of God, loves evil and cherishes sin, and it's deceitful, and it's dishonest, and it's insincere, I mean, you know your heart, I know my heart, the heart is always calculating, the heart is always conniving and scheming, and so Joshua says, you have to watch your heart, you have to watch it, you have to to guard it, the scripture says, we we need the spirit of God to create in us clean hearts, David said to the Lord, create in me, Lord, a clean heart, you got to change my heart. The Bible tells us that the heart is the wellspring of life and it has to be guarded. The heart is the seat of our affections and it has to be ruled. The heart is to be the throne of the Almighty and His throne requires that it is carefully guarded and watched. And because it's a throne, it doesn't, it's not an equal access throne. Not everything gets access to our hearts. The heart belongs to one. The heart is to beat for one. And it has to be safeguarded and protected. You know, that's why I was uh, I, thinking about the week of prayer. I'm like, man, Lord, I just sense like for our church, we just have to cultivate love for the Lord in these days. That's, what, that's all you want. Time in your presence. Time soaking. To have our hearts transformed. To have our hearts changed. To know the Lord in our hearts. You know, the book of Joshua, um, for the most part, as we've been going through there's been quite a bit of bloodshed. I don't know if you caught that. A lot of war, a lot of battles and stories I think are pretty cool. And yeah, it's a book of war. But here Joshua, it's interesting to think about him. He doesn't speak like a soldier. He speaks like a lover. And he says, loving God requires our care. It requires that you watch yourself. It requires that you guard yourself because God's faithfulness is is so life-changing because he's been faithful to us in the past and he'll be faithful to us in the future because he loved us when we were still in sin, because he loved us and responded to us in repentance, because he went to the cross on our behalf and died and was buried and raised to life because he loved us so much to lay down his life for us in order to save us. We have to watch our hearts. And the experience of knowing God, as, as you know, is, is life-changing. And it demands that we cannot ignore the heart of our own lives. Because God desires our affect, affection. He desires our our. Love, and when I think about Joshua, I think about it, I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, it's like, you know. What example do you want to find of a more manly man than Joshua? He's a mighty soldier, a mighty soldier that took down the enemies of God's people. Do you know what else the Bible tells us about Joshua? That when Moses was in the tent of meeting, talking with the Lord, when he would depart, Joshua would linger in the presence of God. That young assistant would stay in the tent of meeting to just be with the Lord. And Joshua was a soldier but when he spoke of loving the Lord it was not a man unfamiliar with the presence of God that was speaking. And he spoke to these leaders and he said, you have to cultivate this. Your human affections for God, your heart. You've got to Be very careful about this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And here's this man, Joshua. Think about him. I wonder what kind of scars he had. (laughs) Those battles. His skin, you know, seasoned by all those years wandering in the wilderness. Working the soil, going out and collecting manna. Now here he is. He was young and he's been slowed by old age. (laughs) Probably not as tall as he once was, probably not as felt as he once was. But when Joshua spoke about the Lord, he spoke as a young man with his first love. Hmm. And he said, Let's be careful. To love God. Be careful to love the Lord from your heart. And so he tells these leaders as he's getting ready to depart from this earth that the right response to the faithfulness of God to his people was the faithfulness of the people to their God. He told them three things. Be very strong. Keep and do all that is written in the word of the law. Cling to the Lord. And as we've just seen here, be very careful. Love the Lord your God. And then Joshua drives all of this home by letting these leaders know that that these things were not optional. They could not be considered optional. In fact, he would tell them That God would actually judge their lack of devotion in these areas. Let's check it out. We'll read through the end of the chapter, verse 12. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations, remaining among them, and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes. Isn't that an interesting picture? Because we know who had thorns pressed into the scalp of his brow. Not for his lack of devotion, but because of his devotion. We know whose back was scourged with a whip. Not because of his lack of devotion, but because of his devotion. But Joshua says, this is the danger for you. Let me read again verse 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive these nations out before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed, but just And you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. He says these things are not optional. You know, some things in life are optional. I'm like shaving, that's optional. Brushing your teeth, not optional. (laughs) Breakfast, optional. Morning coffee, not optional. Uh, BC ferry reservations, optional. Waiting in lineups at BC Ferries, not optional. You know, I had one of my children in kindergarten. I won't tell you which one it was. They were convinced. Underwear, optional. That was a real battle in our house. Face masks, optional. Fellowship with God's people, not optional. Look at, he says this, keeping and doing the word of God. Not optional. Not Clinging to the Lord, not optional. Loving the Lord your God, not optional. This is what Joshua was telling them. And, and, and he said this, you face this danger. This is the danger you face of turning back. And he actually uses this word clinging again. You could adhere yourself to the nations around you. You could adhere yourself to the culture around you. You could Adhere yourself to the peoples around you and their practices. But you're to cling to the Lord, not to them. But you could. He says there's a a danger. You could mix with this world. Scripture just tells us we're to love the Lord, not the things of this world. It wasn't optional. In fact, their well-being, Joshua says, your well-being in the land of promise depends on you doing the things that I'm instructing you. He said to this to them, if, if you should choose to ignore these instructions and you go after the practices of those Canaanites that remain amongst you, then you will find the Lord that has devoted himself to your good will devote himself to your judgment. The God who's been faithful to bless will be faithful to judge, Joshua says. God's given you the land, he says, but he can remove you from the land. And it's somber as he says these things and I look at it and I go, well, what what are some of the applications for us from this text? Well, Wow, God was devoted to Israel, and we know this. The New Testament tells us this. Because He was devoted to them, we can know for certain that He'll be devoted to us. God defeated their enemies, and we know this. God is going to defeat our enemies. He's going to defeat the enemies of our, of our souls. God had an inheritance for Israel and the land of the Canaanites, and we know this. God has an inheritance for those who serve Jesus with Him in heaven in paradise. And all of this was because God had set his affection on Israel. And God has done this through Jesus. He has chosen to make you the object of his affection, his love, his faithfulness. It's not our own doing. We know this, it's by his grace, because of his goodness and the call of god's word the instruction of joshua is this is that because of god's faithfulness to us we should show him in response the same heart of faithfulness of devotion of gratitude obey his word cling to him and love him of course jesus said this that love for god is expressed in obedience to his commands and so because god is faithful He speaks through Joshua here and he tells him that God will not put up with a departure from such things. That he will judge his people as they turn from him. See, God, because he's faithful to us, is not willing to allow us to slide into behavior and thinking and patterns that will be harmful to us. So he is obligated. The New Testament tells us this. He is obligated like a father with his children to discipline us to bring correction to bring rebuke, to to get us on track. It's it's the nature of a God who loves us that He disciplines those He loves. It's not that He's mean. He's not willing that any should perish. And so the book of Hebrews tells us that that when God disciplines us, it's for our benefit that we would be partakers, it says in chapter 2 of Hebrews, or sorry, chapter 12, that we would be partakers in His holiness, in His nature. In his character, in fact, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse eleven says this: "From for the moment, all discipline seems painful, rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it." Church, I love this instruction to Joshua because it holds true. It holds from Joshua. It holds true to our lives too. The Lord's been faithful in the past; He's going to be faithful in the future. And His faithfulness demands this from us. Not for our salvation. Only saved by grace. Only saved by the work of Jesus. But His faithfulness calls us to be faithful to Him. And we do it by this. We obey the Word of God. We cling to Jesus. And we love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And God disciplines us where we depart from that because he loves us, he loves us. Let's love him back well. Let's pray this morning and invite the worship team to come.